Hello and welcome to the Game Time Podcast. I'm Bradley with St. Louis Game Time. It's uh, Sunday afternoon. I'm joined by my friend Jeff Jones in the studio at WGNU, and my dog is barking in the background. Sweet. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Brad. Uh, yeah, with all all the recording we have done uh, with you hiding from your wife and your children and everyone else who lives in your house, the dog is making his first appearance on the podcast. Uh, that, that would be Boomer the Golden Retriever. So he, gotcha. uh, he wants to go outside, so uh, he's being let outside right now. Uh, so we're recording this uh, Sunday afternoon. The Blues are flying home. They, they might be home by now. It's like a four, four-and-a-half-hour flight from San Jose. And I know they, they didn't fly after... The shutout loss last night, the four nothing loss at at the Sharks. So they said they're going to travel today. So I doubt they practice today because they play Monday night at home against the lowly Kings. Maybe they don't need practice against uh, to prepare for the Kings, Jeff. Well, it's going to be an exciting game on Monday because uh, Harrison Bader of your St. Louis Cardinals is showing up to drop the first puck, uh, and I'm sure he'll be showing up in a lovely new powder blue jersey to do that. I think they're just using it as an excuse to put Harrison Bader on the Blues website. That's that's possible because they've had that same picture of him that's been using every highlight package of him sliding into third base uh, for the last God knows how long. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's is there is there still suspense? People still not know what the whole thing is tomorrow because they're they're going to have powder blue jerseys. That's the announcement, like a thousand. Yeah, percent. well, there's the so to get you up to speed in case you're not big in Cardinals Twitter. The Cardinals announced that they're having some sort of announcement tomorrow, and the picture that went along with the announcement was a picture of Ozzie Smith doing a backflip in a, in a game from the 1980s at some point. And he's wearing a powder blue jersey, but he never actually wore a powder blue jersey to do a backflip. Well, and the so, and that yeah, and that particular picture, like people found the original, and he is wearing a white jersey in it. Yeah. So. So we think when we know what the announcement is, they, they need to sell some extra jerseys to pay for Bryce Harper's contract when they sign him here this week, right? Uh, that's yeah, that's one description of, of the thing that might be happening. I mean, yeah, like it is it is a jersey announcement. There will be people tomorrow who will be legitimately pissed off that they're not announcing a giant player signing as though they would, you know, keep that secret for whatever reason for eight days without having it leaked. Uh you know, and like like the 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 idea that Harrison Bader is just randomly coming to the Blues game tomorrow to drop the puck, uh, because he's in town. That doesn't really happen, you know. I don't I don't know if you saw, uh, but Carson Kelly was in Vegas for the Blues game over the weekend. He's been in a couple games here. Matt Adams has been. You know, they don't just because you're a Cardinal, you show up to the Blues game. You don't get to walk out in the middle of the center ice and drop a puck, but you do if you're selling a bunch of new jerseys. Well, and they've got the downtown thing where they, they have the ice rink at Keener, and I know that the Blues and Cardinals are kind of pro- co-promoting that for some reason. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. I don't mind. It's, yeah, I don't you know, care. I just, that's, that's it's, the thing that's it's happening. Synergy. Hey, the Cardinals and, and Blues have been partners for a little bit. The One Nation stuff, the Winter Classic, you know, before and after, you know, there's a Cardinals night for Blues games. There's a Blues night for Cardinal games. I mean, that's cool. I hey, it's it's a lot better than the alternative when the Rams were here. It's true. And by the way, if you're listening and you hear me chewing into the microphone, uh, it's because I I am here with a bag of Trader Joe's peppermint pretzel slims. Uh, they're super good. I had to pop into Trader Joe's, and you know, if you are if you're in St. Louis and you can appreciate this, uh, ran into Trader Joe's in Brentwood at two fifteen on a Sunday afternoon, and was out of there within five minutes. Wow. Well, everyone's home enjoying uh, 
NFL football, or it's just too cold? Oh, no, no. It was crazy packed. I just was stealthy oh. about it, and then bobbed and weaved my way through the aisles. Oh, the bobbed and weave. You would, yeah, you we would be out, amazed. Uh, this after, we were out this afternoon in St. Charles uh, taking some family pictures with the kids. You know, card season's coming up rather quickly. So we were outside on Main Street and the gazebo there on Main Street, and then at the, the old train depot taking some photos. And the littlest one, he was uh, not having it at the end of the photo session. He was pissed. It was, it was, it was chilly. Well, so, uh, and when you say noses, noses were a little red there at the end of the photo shoot. When you say that you were out in downtown St. Charles taking photos, I assume they took four times longer than they had to because you were all playing Pokemon while you were down there. I, we actually. Uh, uh, the kids were so cold that um, no one actually was playing Pokemon. Wow! Surprisingly, surprisingly, yeah, totally. I uh, yeah, I I admit that I'm I'm fairly knocked over by that. <laughs> yeah, I think we were out there. Was it last weekend the community day? Uh, we were definitely out there last weekend playing the playing uh, on the community day. I pretty not, much I've given not, up. Not today. I've given up because there was like all the stupid gifts were clogging up all my feet and shit. It was really obnoxious. Plus now I feel like you have to battle all the gyms. I don't want to do I just want to walk around and have shit pop up. I don't want to have to like interact with other people to play that game. The community day is, though, is cool. Have you done those? No, because I don't want to go hang out with the weirdo Pokemon well, no, people. You don't actually No, They just call it community day because they want people to go out and play. But the community day basically means that whatever the focus of the community day is, there's a bunch of those out there, and you can catch like a hundred, a hundred of them, and then they, there are some shinies that are sprinkled in, and then they, you, if you uh, evolve during the during the time frame, they get a special, a special move. So like, and that's all fine I've and got, dandy, but I don't care about the moves or about the like. I just, I just want to be a completionist, and I am afraid that if I go out to areas where there is a lot of Pokemon on community days, even though I'm not required to interact with the other people, I'll end up having to do it anyway by accident. And for the most part, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to talk to other people. Leave me alone. I don't. I don't want to talk to other grown adults who are outside playing Pokemon Go. Like they should. Everyone who does that should do it like I do it, shamefully and quietly and privately, like masturbating. Wow, thanks for that. Um, that's, that's a mental picture I did not need. Uh, so, so this is the uh, weekly edition of the Game Time Podcast. So, and I, we didn't really do a weekly one last week, did yeah, we? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the every other weekly one at this point. <laughs> you know, when they start playing like every other day, or what is it, six, six games in nine days this week, it's, uh, it gets a little hectic. So. Well, and also like... They're pretty shitties, and they're fucking boring. So it's pretty hard <laughs> to work up the energy to talk about them. You're, uh, are the Blues paying you to do promotions? I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're bad, man. They're really bad. And, you hey, know, they, they won a game on the road trip. You look at their leading scorers right now. The three, three of their top four leading scorers are O'Reilly, Perron, and Bozak. Like, Imagine where they would be without having added a bunch of guys. Where would this team be with no Ryan O'Reilly right now? I mean, it is, it is crazy how bad the rest of the team is. I, I tweeted that the other night. Um, consider, you know, with that consideration, I kind of shuddered because it's, uh, yeah, he, he's, I mean, he's been the team on, on more than one occasion. Yeah, and it's, you know, there's not really a good excuse for it. You can talk about the injuries. You can talk about whatever else. Um I I tweeted last night and I think it got it got perceived incorrectly. Uh but I tweeted that last night's game was 
third and four nights. They had sent four guys home early from the road trip. Uh, and what did people expect? And I got a lot of, I expected them to try and I expected them to be competitive and way to give them excuses. My point was not that it's okay or acceptable for the team to look like that. Uh, you know, the, the, the way they looked in a four, nothing loss last night. My point is my point. My point was rather that it was predictable that they would look that way. Like it was, it, it was not, I was not, there was, there was not a judgment being issued. It was just like, well, yeah, of course, this is what they look like right now because the team is not very good uh, and they are certainly not about to play like through adversity. They have shown zero ability to do that so far this season. Uh, you know, they're, we're, we're <coughs> excuse me, we're a quarter of the way through. They have 17 points. They look like bottom feeders right now. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty rough. You know, they go one and two on the road trip. The two losses, they got shut out. Um, so they scored four goals in three games, but all the goals came in one game. And that's, uh, that's not good. And, you know, and it, it kind of feels like, and, and it's kind of is happening this way that they win a game, they lose a game. They win a game, they lose a game. You lose Brown doing that. You don't, you don't keep up with the competition in the NHL winning, winning a game, losing a game, winning a game, losing a game. You lose ground because teams, Teams don't go two or three games without getting points. They get points almost on a nightly basis with three-point games. Yeah, the Blues and are... This, and this team isn't even good enough to get to, to overtime on a regular basis. They're, they are five points back of Colorado for the second wild card spot. It is hard to overcome five points back at any point in the season. Is there any truth? I know I've heard the rumor. Okay, so I know the demarcation line is American Thanksgiving, which is coming up on Thursday. And that's when you can start paying attention to the standings. But isn't there something, I can Google it while we're talking, isn't there something about if you're not in a playoff position by a certain date in November, it gets really, really hard to make the playoffs, even though it's November? Yeah, there there is. I don't know the exact number, the exact date, but I mean, it it, it sort of correlates with that rough Thanksgiving date. And, you know, you know they have only played 18 games. I guess that is the fewest of anyone in the NHL. Winnipeg's only played 18. Uh, the Florida Panthers have played 17. That's the only team that's played fewer games than the Blues. But, you know, the Blues, they, 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 they look like the team that they are. I don't, I don't know what you would see from the play you've gotten out of this team over these first 18 games of the season that makes you think that it's going to be different uh, as, as, as the season unfolds. Why, why is the defense magically going to get better? Why are, are Braden Shen and Jaden Schwartz magically going to kick it back into gear? You know, we were all so excited to see Robbie Fabry back in the lineup and he gets an assist in that first game back and he's got the one goal and he's done nothing else. I mean, he's, he's a ghost out there, which again, you can't, it's hard to criticize Fabry because you know, we, we said, and I think it's true that anything they got out of him had to be considered a bonus, but he is an absolute ghost on the ice right now. Uh, Robert Thomas, yes, he's 19. Yes, he's growing. Has not scored in 14 games. It, you know, at, at some point, these guys have got to shit or get off the pot, and it's there. There's nothing there. Pat Maroon now injured, no goals in 14 games. Ivan Barbashev, one goal in 16 games. Uh, you know, for as vaunted as the offense was, Jaden Schwartz, two goals in 15 games. It's just that ain't gonna do it. They're just not good enough. The defense is slow. The offense is not contributing. It's not balanced. It's Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko, and nobody else has anything out there. Uh, my computer's slow loading a story from Jonathan Willis last year, November 3rd, 2017, from uh, Sportsnet up there in Canada. Uh, 
Elliot Friedman often mentions the November 1st benchmark. Teams four points or more out of the playoffs at that point rarely overcome the deficit. Since 2005-06, 46 of 52 teams, 88%, that are that far out on November 1st end up missing the playoffs. There you go. That's four points out of the playoffs on November 1st. I I don't know how far the Blues were that far back, but I mean, you said they're five now and we're – Midway through the month, I mean that's uh, right. They they are they are losing ground relative to that calendar date. So you know, and part of it is the three point game, and and part of it is kind of parity across across the league. And you know, if you look at the the central division, Strangelo kind of said it last night. the the post game the post game interviews last night were pretty uh, pretty sour. And I at I least Petro came actually, out. To, at least Petro came out to do one. That's an, yeah. that's an improvement. So he, he basically admitted, hey, look, teams are winning in the Central Division every night. If you just win one, lose one, you're not going to, you know, you're just going to keep falling behind. Teams in, teams in the division keep winning. So, I mean, if, if, they, if they played in a weaker division, you'd say, yeah, this is, this is it's still early enough. We can still see some, some progress here. I mean, I was reading Jeff Gordon's uh, – chat on STL today on Friday and they were talking about you know is it getting dire for the Blues and he said well they have the talent to go on some winning streaks and that's what it's going to take they need to go on some winning streaks but man I mean when you can't string together two wins talking about winning streaks plural is uh that's not even like the glass is half full that's like the glass is overflowing optimism uh, I mean, yeah. They, so the Blues have the Blues have sixty four games remaining. It took ninety five points to get into the playoffs last year. They have seventeen points right now. Uh, so assuming I can do math, that means they need seventy eight points, right, in sixty four games. Yeah. Uh, you know, to to get in, that's I mean, that's that that seems like a lot. That's not a pace they are on right now. No, that's you know that's that's thirty nine wins over sixty four games or a a, a six oh nine win percentage. Which in other, which in other seasons seasons they've been able to accomplish. I mean that's not pie in the sky, but if you're talking real world, this Blues team not making major changes. Uh, yeah, that seems rather optimistic. Well, okay, be- so the last time the Blues finished a regular season. With a or then and then granted I said winning percentage and so but but the last time they finished with a point percentage higher than six oh nine was in fourteen fifteen where they had a hundred or fifteen sixteen rather where they had one hundred and seven points like and that was that was the year they went to the conference final it was and lost the sharks the yeah. bottom line is they're going to have to play well above a pace that they have played at any point in the last three seasons to make the playoffs this year and there's nothing about this team that says to me that they're capable of that. Okay, so I, I mentioned the, the key words, make some changes. What do you think? I, I mean, it's almost on a nightly basis now. People say, okay, is this the game that Mike Yo gets fired? Is this the night? Is this the effort? Is this the situation? And uh, he's still the head coach, last I looked. Uh, are, are, people are getting antsy. People are getting impatient. And they're just waiting for it to happen at this point. Yeah, and it's, it's going it's a daily thing. And that's and that's the thing. It's going to happen. 
Mike Yo is not going to finish the season as head coach for the St. Louis Blues. There's almost no chance of that. So it's just a matter of why are they waiting? Are they waiting because they're trying to bring someone else in? Uh, are they waiting for a more palatable point in the calendar? Like, what is what is the reason to delay? I you know I mentioned this the last time we talked, uh, and and you know, early in the season I said that this upcoming Friday, Saturday, where they play Nashville and Winnipeg sort of looked like a break where they would probably fire the coach after that because then they go on the road. Uh, they don't play until Wednesday in Detroit. You know, that it would be they, that would be three games and four nights against divisional opponents after the LA game tomorrow. Uh, there are there are all of these rationale for why it would make some sense to do it then. And and maybe they still will. I don't know. That's 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 possible. But yeah, I don't I don't know what they're waiting for. It has to happen eventually. I, whether or not Mike Yo deserves to be fired, I, I don't know what that means. His team is, is is in last place in the division, and they look like shit, so he probably does deserve to be fired. Uh, but that is the easiest string to pull. And so if nothing else, because that is the easiest thing to do, that's going to be the thing that happens. And, and why wait? I, I don't, you know... So now we're getting into a kind of weird part of the schedule. And I, before they started playing this weekend, the Friday, Saturday road trip a couple days ago, I basically set up, look, they're playing six, six times in nine days. And I said, you know, I know people are expecting something for Mike Yo to happen. This is kind of, I think maybe the pivot of the season where if they didn't put some wins together, if they didn't accumulate some points in the, in these nine, in this nine day stretch, that that could be the nail in the Mike Yo coffin. But people on a nightly basis saying, why isn't it happening today? I mean, you're not going to do it when you're playing on Friday, Saturday. Sunday's a travel game. Monday is a home game. They're not going to do it today. They're not going to do it tomorrow. Then you go to, to Nashville on Wednesday. Then it's Thanksgiving. Now, granted, a lot of these guys are Canadian, and Canadian Thanksgiving was back on Columbus Day uh, in October for them. I get that. But and and I know that there's history. You know the Blues well, and they do coaches on Christmas Day a long time ago, they, right? Yeah, but they were there was a curse that came. But I mean, they like all these guys do celebrate American Thanksgiving, and it's a league holiday. It's like these guys have their yeah. day off. Like they're you know it is a significant date on the calendar. They would it would it would look bad, and especially with you know guys that want to come to St. Louis. That you know you pull the trigger, you know the week of Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving. Other, other coaches are going to notice that. I mean, granted, they want to get paid. They want a job. If St. Louis is offering a job, they probably take it. But it's not a good look if you're firing the coach the week of Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving or right before or right after, anything like that. I could see so I, I really I could see I really right don't after. see it for at least, at least a week. No, like you said, I could, that, yeah, I, yeah. Could, I could see right after. I could see like a week from today after they have – the back-to-back Nashville-Winnipeg games on Friday and Saturday, especially if they lose both. If they lose all three of those games, the two Nashville games and the one Winnipeg game, uh, then, I mean, then they're then they're pretty well cooked, uh, and they may as well pull the cord. Though, I, you know, conversely, the, the, the other side of that is if they have made the judgment that they're cooked, maybe they don't care to fire him to pay a guy not to coach, right? Like that's that's sort of the argument that you've heard made uh, about Guy Boucher in Ottawa, which is the Senators are not going to fire Guy Boucher this year because they were always going to be terrible. So why on earth would you pay the guy not to be the coach? Like it's not it's not the coach's fault that the Senators are terrible. 
Uh, it's probably a little more Mike Yo's fault that the Blues are not very good, but at the same time, you know, he's not responsible for the defense looking old and shitty, and he's not responsible for guys not being able to score in different roles, and he is not responsible for how bad the goaltending is. That which was the entire argument for Joel Quinville not getting fired this year, I'll add. But I, I see your point. Uh, I think we should probably at this point mention that Jake Allen has looked pretty damn good his last two games. He, he has. did not play against San Jose. He, that was Chad Johnson. Uh, but the, the one nothing loss at Chicago and then uh, the win in Vegas on Friday night, uh, he looked pretty damn good. What do you think? Jake Allen, having made 50 saves in the last 52 shots against him, now features a sparkling 890 save percentage and 351 goals against average. Context of the entire season, yeah, yeah, yeah. The stats don't look good. I said in his last two games, yeah, in the last two games, small, look, small sample size theater. Yes, right? the last two games he's looked fine. He has, over the course of his career, in any random chunks of games, looked fine. He doesn't always, he doesn't always look terrible. Uh, fine these, is such a loaded word. These last, fine. yeah, but, fine, but, fine, but yes, he fine. does. Right, yeah, he looks fine. He doesn't look better than that. I'm not giving Jake Allen credit for finally appearing to be an NHL-level goaltender when he was he looked like a middling AHL goalie for the remainder of the season. He looks fine. He looks the way he is supposed to look. The way he yeah. has played in the last two games is the way that he should be expected to play every night. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't get a cookie for not being dog shit. It is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and he has appeared in only three games this season where the team has allowed fewer than three goals. Two of them were in the last week. That is quite a stat, I got to tell you. And I know we've we've harped on that throughout the season, but, I mean, you you, you can't be allowing three goals every game. And, and he hasn't for two games in a row. So, yeah. I, I, I made the argument on Twitter on Friday night that it was probably, arguably, his best uh, game of the season. Sure. Someone said, oh, I think he's I think he's looked this good several times and no one noticed. And I said, you know, I politely disagree. Yeah, no one noticed because he had a sunburn on his neck from the light being on so often. <laughs> uh, so I, I think you know, and then Chad Johnson gets back in there after playing a couple of good games and shocker, he's not very and, good. You know, it, well, I, I thought the Blues on Saturday night, the first uh, the first twenty twenty five minutes of the game looked pretty sharp, and they, they really were pressuring the Sharks with the puck. They kind of looked like old-school Hitchcock where uh, a Sharks player got the puck and there was a Blues player in his face immediately, and that was really nice to see. And then for like a four-minute stretch in the second period, that like disappeared, and they were playing. They played for big chunks of the season. Let me, let me ask you a question. Okay. Jeannie comes down with magic powers and says, you have the ability to – take Jake Allen and Chad Johnson and you trade them straight up, you know, figure out the cap, whatever cap, not a, not a factor. You can trade them straight up for another team's goaltending tandem. You don't have to, but you can. Are there more than five teams in the league who you would not swap with, which is to say, are Jake Allen and Chad Johnson, one of the five worst goaltending tandems in the NHL? Okay. We can walk through this for a second. Sure. Carolina is Carolina's a hard no. Okay. Yeah, fair. Carolina's a hard no. Florida Florida Panthers, Reimer, and... Uh, well, here, let me... Uh, I, I have I have the standings in front of me. I'm, I'm, let's run through them real quick. Okay. Tampa. Vasilevsky and whoever backs up Vasilevsky. Uh, that's... Uh, what's his face? Uh, it, sounds, uh, it sounds Latino. Um, is it Al Montoya? 
No, a uh, different guy. But uh, Vasilevsky's hurt right now. He has a oh, Louis. Yep, yeah, he does. Yeah, Louis Domingue. That's who it is. Domingue. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, currently no, because uh, assume assume everyone's healthy. Injury healthy. Yeah. Vasilevsky's probably yeah. Hurt. Okay, Toronto. Freddie Anderson uh, and Garrett Sparks. Uh, that's really, a tough one. really, Freddie Anderson. <laughs> Freddie Anderson is much okay, better than fine, Jake Allen. Better. Uh, better. Buffalo, Carter Hutton, Linus Olmark. See, that's probably a push. That one's probably a push. Olmark has some potential, but that one's that one's a push. Fair. You get the you get to the Islanders. That's probably a push. Montreal, Carey Price, and Anti Niemi. Uh, well, Again, no con- no contract. No, we're not we're not worried about the contract. We'll figure that out. Contract and then the backup. I mean, the backup dog shit. So I mean, yeah, that's true. I, I mean, that's true. I I think what you've uncovered here is that maybe goaltending across mm-hmm. the NHL is not as good as we were led to believe. Maybe. Sure, maybe. I mean, so you know, Ottawa. We're looking at Craig Anderson, and I'm also figuring out that I don't know as many backups as they should. Mike McKenna. That's right, because they 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 whacked Condon. Craig Anderson and Mike McKenna. That's pretty bad. Uh, Oof. Yeah. Ooh, Mike McKenna. Those numbers. <laughs> Mike McKenna's rack of the 857-597. He's a nice guy. He's a very nice he guy. Not, he, he, he's a very nice guy. We talked to him on the phone on the old radio show. But uh, he might not be an NHL everyday goal. He may not be. Uh, yeah. Detroit. Is Jimmy, Jimmy Howard. Howard and Jonathan Bernier? I'll take I'll take Detroit. I'll take Howard and Bernier over the two the Blues have. Uh, okay. Uh, objective. Florida's Luongo and Reimer. I'll take those two over Allen and uh, over over Allen and Johnson, no doubt. Okay. Columbus, Bob and Corpusalo. I'll take those two. Um, the Islanders is. God, who are the hell are the who, Robin Laner? That's and, right, uh, Robin Laner, and who's the other guy? Robin Laner, and uh, this is embarrassing. Thomas Grice, that's who it is. Grice, yeah, yeah, they're not great. Laner's been good this year, but the numbers aren't great, or, or or I should say, those guys aren't great. Both their numbers are pretty good. I, I don't know, and we could, I, I think, I think, I think goaltending is obviously down across the league. Sure. I think there are teams that, if suddenly a goaltender was available, when. When Bobrovsky is if he if he's made available by the trade deadline by Columbus, there are going to be five or ten teams possibly bidding on him. I think. I mean, maybe maybe there are general managers who are more optimistic than we are about their goaltending situations. But I mean, if he is made available for trade, uh, I think the asking price is going to be through the roof because of the competition for him. And you know, yeah, it's. It is fair to say that goaltending is maybe down throughout the league. Uh, I think also that, you know, when you talk about Bobrovsky as rental, I think the last time that there was a comparable goalie on the rental market was probably Ryan Miller, right? Ryan I mean, Miller, that, yeah. Yeah, that would be, cool. you know, and, and that was that was a couple of veteran cap dumps. There was a player that came back with Miller, but it was a couple of veteran cap dumps, uh, a middling prospect, and then a pile of draft picks. And, you yeah. know, maybe maybe that's something that the Blue Jackets can expect. I would think so. Uh, William Carrier was in that deal. Was he, he was. Not? He who's was now with who's now with the Golden Knights and uh, had some playing time on Friday against the Blues. And I, yeah, and I, 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 I tweeted this. I, I interviewed him when he was with Buffalo, uh, and they were in Washington. I, I went to a Sabres warning skate and interviewed him, uh, and was like, "Hey, you know, you came to St. Louis for development camp. What are your what are your memories there?" And he was like, uh, "Nothing really." 
Like they they went to a Cardinals game. He skated twice. They played laser tag or something. Then he went back to junior and got traded. That was it. He did he did a lap around the zombie mall and was like, What's right. wrong with this place? Yeah, he did he did not have like like he was I don't want to make it to where he was like shitting on St. Louis, but he he did not have something like, Oh my god, like they gave me my star, like it was crazy. It was my first NHL camp, the atmosphere. He was just like, um ah, we went to a baseball game. That's pretty much, that's pretty <laughs> hey, much it's it. a very St. Louis thing. Maybe they had uh maybe they had Ted Drews afterwards too. You never know. Yeah, and they always yeah. they always take the kids out to do something go karts or throw axes or whatever the hell. Yeah, I you know this uh, goal thing discussion and talking about other teams tandems. Maybe just maybe Jake Allen isn't overpaid at four point whatever four point three. I mean maybe, but he's also he's he's just not any good. He's just not any good. I know he's not good. All right, uh, so we we mentioned we mentioned the defense earlier. Uh, and we mentioned uh, the captain, Petrangelo. Uh, he's had a little bit of flashes, and I think the defense overall has played better in spurts. But there are still too many mistakes. Do are we are we still are we still uh, attributing this to a new defensive coach, a new defensive system? Maybe are we thinking that are we thinking that some of these guys aren't as good as we had hoped? Uh, Colton Pareko's made some serious mental errors that we have not seen him make before that is going to be so that's going to be the one that to me is worth watching is, is whether or not uh the blues start to get nervous about pareko and and what he actually is or can be uh because i don't i don't know like the contract that they gave him at the time that they gave it to him made a lot of sense but it was one it wasn't one of those where you looked at it and you were like that's a huge bargain it was one where it was like okay the player's taking a little less for now because he's he's going to get some short term certainty and the team is gambling on upside and uh thus far there has not been much payoff of the upside gamble so it's 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 fair to wonder uh, i i think what he is going to look like as he continues to develop and does he become a trade piece at some point i don't know he's the one that keeps getting rumored to go to Edmonton or somewhere in the Eastern conference. Whenever, whenever a, a, a forward gets talked about that with the blues being interested, it's, it's Franco. Now you can make the argument that they're pretty much set it forward. They're probably not in the market for a forward. So Franco is probably not going anywhere, but you know, he is the second highest paid guy on the team on defense at $5.5 million. He is signed through 21-22, so you know he's got this year plus three on his contract. Um, well, he's signed me, for two more years longer than the captain, and that's the thing too. That's that's the guy who to me is interesting is is Petrangelo here because if he you know he's going to be a free agent in two seasons. Uh, if the Blues feel like they have a culture issue, a leadership, you know, whatever, whatever you want to, however you want to code it. If the Blues feel like Alex Petrangelo is a hindrance more than a help in those areas, I wonder what that would look like. I wonder what they would have to pursue. Yeah, I think it would. It would have to be the sort of deal where they would be getting a defenseman back. It would have to. It would almost have to be kind of like a change of scenery type deal. And I don't. I don't know what the match is there. Like I don't really under. I don't. I don't really know who the who the the corresponding move would be because you would almost certainly have to move him to a team in the east uh to avoid 
any chance of like a horrible mistakey backlash type situation. And if you're doing, I guess I don't know. I don't know what the fit is, right? I, I I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Uh, looking at the Blues salary numbers right now, uh, you know, you have Colton Pareko, age 25, making 5.5 three years after this year. Joel Edmondson's on a one-year contract. He's also 25. He's making $3 million this year. And Edmondson for, has has mostly been good and is probably due for a big contract this offseason once Bo Meester's off the books. He's got to want at least Colton Pareko money. He, he's going to want at least $2.5 million more a year, and I, and I would say he deserves it. I don't know if I'd go much higher than that. Jeff, do you know how many players in the Blues are making at least $5 million a year right now? It's several. Uh, it's O'Reilly and Tarasenko, Steen. And this is, I'm not, I don't have it up in front of me. O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Steen, Petrangelo, Pareko, uh, Bozak's making five. Uh, did I get them all? Who Am I missing any? Nine. Braden, Shen, okay, Tarasenko, yeah, O'Reilly, Schwartz. Steen, Schwartz, Shen, Bozak, uh, Angelo, Colton Pareko, Jay Bomeister. Because if you so if you take out Pat Maroon, I believe all of the Blues forwards are making four million or more, or they're making entry level money. Like Maroon's four. A, Yeah. Well David Prawn's making four. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, four, yeah, four or more. So Maroon's in there at one point seven five or whatever, but between Perron at four, there's just Maroon and then it's the guys all on ELCs. Yeah, the the highest being Robbie Fabry at nine hundred twenty five thousand. Yeah, it's uh it's an interesting way to build the to build the the roster, and it, it kind well, of. Well, it's also uh, it is it is kind of a league wide trend. Like there have been yeah. some people who write about the sort of shrinking middle class in the NHL, yep. which uh, you know that's that's fairly consistent. Well, I remember when Barrett Jackman was making four million dollars a year, and people were like, oh no, that's way too much. And I said, you know, I think the. I think the league, league's moving that way, that if you have a, a guy that's playing every night and playing either first or second pairing, he's going to make at least $4 million a year, and, well, and, and that's going to be the norm, and, and that's kind of where we are. And the thing, too, about you know player salaries, at least as far as AAV goes, uh, is that they are, they're down from 20 years ago. Like Player salaries are way less than they probably should be if we, you know, if we were to follow because the, sort of the, the age of the, the age of the players in the league. Well, and, and because of and because of the lockout and the hard cap, right? Like because you know before before the lockout in 6 Bobby Holik was making nine million a year. Yeah, that's fair. And you know, so like <laughs> those those crazy deals don't exist anymore. So you know, player wages have really sort of stagnated uh, over the last twenty years, if not if not decreased. While league revenue's only gone up, or right, NHL is now a four billion dollar a year business. They have they have cost certainty is what is what Hall of Famer Gary Bettman says. Uh, speaking of, I did not take time to watch Hall of Fame induction. Night. Yeah, no, I, I never watched that shit. Yeah, do you know how I, you probably heard I, this on Puck too? I did. The, the length of of Gary Bettman twenty three minutes. God, can you imagine? I would start squirming after three, much less twenty-three. There, I mean, there were there were videos of Marty Brodeur and Martin Saint Louis on stage next to each other, like rolling their eyes back and forth as Bettman kept <laughs> talking and talking and talking. And by the way, you know, 
on a day where the NHL finally put in Willie O'Ree. And let's let's be realistic. Willie O'Ree went in because the league didn't want to do what they did with Pat Burns and not put him in until after he died. So because Willie O'Ree is still alive and in good health, they were like, you know, we really need to get him into the Hall of Fame. And they did. I mean, they, they did need to do that. Uh, but he should have been the focus, and instead it was on Bettman and his just interminable yammering. Yeah, and didn't he? I think he went first, even. So he did. That's <laughs> like the hubris. Uh, I don't. I don't get it. His lack of self awareness is. I mean, I, he tries to play it up. You know, he he tries to have fun with the booze. I don't think he's really in on it. I think he's told to act that way. I don't think that's his natural reaction. And you know, the joke. He had a joke in his speech. Uh, you know, me making the Hall of Fame proves it's not a popularity contest okay that's a good line but that's a good line in an eight minute speech not not a 23 well and also the hall of fame is chosen by like seven people like let's not let's not pretend that his not a popularity contest uh is applicable election committee is very small the votes are always secret yeah uh you don't know who kind of was on the on the bubble and either didn't make it or barely made it in uh, but they also had this conversation on Puck Soup that next year they're slim pickings, really, for, like, first-time guys. And and uh, Greg Wyshynski was saying that he thought that uh, Daniel Alfredson from the Senators, even though he might be a borderline Hall of Fame player, would be a natural to make it in because they have to appeal to an Ontario audience. Yeah, I I think that the I think that the biggest lock to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame next year is Haley Wickenheiser, uh, and yeah. then yeah, then you know then you, then you sort of go out from there, I guess. But yeah, I mean you know I, I I don't really have enough of the studied background in the careers of Hall of Famers to be able to I guess judge like is Sergey Zubov a Hall of Famer? He doesn't feel like one to me. But if the numbers say he is, the numbers say he is. Uh, contra- you know, by comparison. I think Daniel Alfredson probably is, but the reason that I think that is because he was very much like the face of a team for a long time, right? right? Like, I, I think for whatever reason, that sort of uh, identity stuff does matter. Obviously, Keith Kachuk is not in. Uh, there doesn't seem to be much momentum for him to get in for whatever reason, so maybe maybe that's not really under consideration. Uh, Ronick isn't in. Doug Wilson's not in. You know, I mean, there are there are Curtis guys Joseph, that get in. Curtis Joseph. Curtis Joseph. Curtis, yeah, he's the most interesting name to me because he's like, what, fourth or fifth in all-time goalie wins. Now, he has a shit ton of losses, and he doesn't have a Stanley Cup on his on his resume. So there are some, there are some you know, things yeah, that downgrade no cup, him. But, no Cup, no Vezina. It's going to be hard for him to get in. Yeah, I guess. Especially I, because there's going to be a ton of goalies who are going to be getting in here, you know, imminently. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, but you know, his he was a long, you know, longevity. If, does longevity count for anything? I don't know. And and you know, being a a quality goaltender for a long time, but I guess maybe it's the Hall of Really Good instead of the Hall of Fame. You know, is, is the argument for him. So yeah, yeah mean, it's it's yeah. definitely interesting. You know, and it's it's kind of funny how, uh, and you know, you listen to to Wyshynski or Emily Kaplan from ESPN. She was joking about how the media work area is a food court in a mall and they serve wine in like little plastic solo cups and they serve pizza and stuff. And, it, you know, it, the, and the, the funniest story they told on the on that podcast was Ken Danico 
so they have the red carpet that leads in and all the Hall of Famers walk it and then the, the new guys. And Ken, Ken Danico apparently did like four or five laps down the red carpet just so he caught every media person there doing interviews. <laughs> that, that is awesome. But you never hear any of that stuff in the States because it's so insular to Canada. So here's a, here's a good Ken Danico story. Uh, when I was in New Jersey covering the Blues there uh, in, in, in the fall of 2016, they had played on Long Island, or in Brooklyn, whatever, they played the Islanders the night before. And I uh, was getting food in the in, in, in the media room uh, after, you know, we had the little pregame presser with a hitch because they had the day off, and then we were, I was getting food. And I was in line behind Ken Danico and John McClain, who at the time I think were both working on the Devil's Broadcast. Uh, so they were ahead of me getting food, and I could hear them chit-chatting, talking about the Blues. Uh, and one of them, it was, it was Danico. Danico asked John McClain, he said, did they skate this morning? Uh, and McLean said no. Uh, and I, you know, then they kind of let it go. And I was behind them, and I chimed in. I said, "Yeah." I said, "No, they were here this morning. Uh, they had meetings. Hitch did video all day because that's what happened." And Danico looked at me and goes, "They had to listen to Hitch talk for an hour. Fuck that." <laughs> and it was it was pretty good. It's, it's like it's like T.J. Oshie running around in Ken Danico's body. It, yeah, I, 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 they would they would be kindred spirits about that for sure. <laughs> so uh, maybe let's talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule here for the Blues. The Kings are in town uh, Monday night. They were the ones that broke the seal on firing the head coach. Uh, Stevens was let go, and they have uh, Willie Desjardins as the interim head coach. Be interesting to see if they're you know are they wooing Joel Quinville. Who else are they in the market for for a permanent head coach, or would they stick with Willie? I don't. Well, know. I think I, it, it. I, I think Marco Sturm is their guy, right? Because oh, part yeah. of it, part of it was they was Marco Sturm was hired as an assistant uh, to learn on the job after he coached uh, uh, Team Germany. Yeah, that's right. Uh, then the Blues travel to Nashville for uh, Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, Nashville has been on a tear. Did you see who had a hat trick for the Predators over the weekend? Uh, I did not. Hold on, I'm gonna guess. Let me see who would be who would have had a hat trick for the Predators that you would have been surprised enough by to mention it. I'll I'll go with the most terrible option and say Austin Watson. No, it was uh, Yarncroak. Oh, Callie Yarncroak did. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's up there as uh, not likely, right? I mean, he's he's got some skill. Like, yeah, I, it would be like if Bozak had one, probably, right? Like. If it happened, you'd be like, oh, okay. I think it was his fourth, fifth, and sixth goals in the season, so not exactly lighting it up otherwise. Sure. Uh, I, I kind of think the atmosphere Thanksgiving Eve in Nashville uh, is going to be a little bit rowdy. That, that might be kind of a hostile environment for the Blues, who, you know, I think it's safe to say they're fragile at the moment. Fragile Blues team going into a rowdy, Predators Arena, Bridgestone Arena on Wednesday night. That 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 might get out of hand, Jeff. Uh, maybe. I you know, I I think that holiday crowds in general, like pre-holiday crowds, maybe are not that good. Am I crazy to think that? Well, but it's. I mean, it's Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Nobody has to go to work the next day. Yeah, but also like you, it's, you leave work early, they could start drinking at three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, but it's it's Thanksgiving in Nashville. Who's going to the hockey game? Uh, 
they don't like the blues there, Jeff. I, I mean, maybe. I, yeah, I mean, I look. I, I freely admit that I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about this. I just I I I think that it's my my guess. I should say would have been that that would have been like a mild sort of visit, but maybe not. I mean, maybe it would be fired up down there. I don't know. Like the team is the team is very good. They don't they don't need any uh any extra motivation. They are fourteen five and one. So I I, I don't know that they need the uh, the fired up crowd for it to be hard on the blues. It's going to be hard on them no matter what. Then after Thanksgiving, after the turkey's put away and the stuffing has been uh, eaten, uh, it's the Predators again. So it's a home-and-home sandwich around Thanksgiving. And then the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, over the next four games, the only one I'm very – the only one I'm even close to optimistic is the Kings on Monday. You got Nashville, Nashville, Winnipeg. That's – that's not that's not a very good stretch, Jeff. I mean, if they if they lose three more division games, they they gotta do something. Like then there's then there's the break you mentioned. Then there's at Detroit, who has been really feisty this month, and at Colorado, another division game. So, I mean, if they if they bagel those three games against Nashville and Winnipeg, you just have to fire the coach. I mean, you have to. If they do that, they'll have what one win against a divisional opponent. They'll be like one in ten, one in nine against divisional opponents this season. There's no way you can keep. Okay, that up. let let. Okay, this is the last time we'll talk about the head coach head coaching situation right now. Is there anything other than? I, okay, to me, it it seems clear that they don't have someone lined up, and maybe maybe they're maybe they're not totally comfortable with going with Craig Berube as the interim and hoping that Quinville or somebody steps up. There aren't a lot of other obvious guys that would step in immediately. Maybe they're not comfortable with Berube taking over an interim, or maybe they're not sold on him being the permanent and don't want him to be interim. Uh, To me, the replacement is the only issue, right? Is there any other things we're overlooking with this situation other than, you know, Armstrong showed with Hitchcock at the end of that tenure that you know he wanted he wanted Hitchcock to catch Al Arbor in the coaching wins list. He couldn't quite get there. I think he tied, and then they kept losing, and they had to let him go. Uh, is there are there any other circumstances keeping this from happening right now? So there are a couple of things here. Uh, number one would be I think it, there is there's always the money conversation. Do the Blues find themselves in a spot where paying someone to not coach and then hiring another coach uh, is something that they can tolerate financially? You know, we we don't know. They they seem to always suggest that they are flush. Uh, I I remain skeptical, but I, you know, we, we would have no way of knowing. So that would be that would be a question. I I agree that the replacement is curious. Uh, you know, Baruby is the guy who makes some sense. I do think that there's probably a, a decent shot that Larry Robinson would be in the conversation uh, as an interim as well. The reason that I think that is that I, I know that Jeremy Rutherford wrote about that as being a possibility a couple of weeks ago, and I'm pretty skeptical that Jeremy would have written that if he hadn't heard it. If he hadn't heard it somewhere, right? Like when I when I when I read that from him, I did not take it as a pure hypothetical. I I took it as there was some inclination that that could happen. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but that would be that would be a possibility for sure. The last thing, and the thing that I think maybe is the sticking point, is the way that the situation with Mike Yo reflects on Doug Armstrong. You know, when we we've heard this a lot that Yo was Armstrong's guy. 
he was the one he went out to get. They gave him the head coach in waiting title and they gave him the, the, you know, the associate head coach money. And, uh, you know, he was always going to be replacing hitch. They let Kirk Muller go because yo was the guy they wanted to, to fire him after less than two full seasons. What the, what, how does that reflect on Doug Armstrong? And is that reflection negative enough that it would cause hesitation on the part of the front office? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, but you know, I could very well see it. The situation with Armstrong and Hitch is different in that you know they had such a strong personal relationship ahead of time, uh, a longstanding one. You know, to the extent that when, when when Hitchcock was fired, Doug Armstrong sat at the table and and wept like cried tears uh, because he had to fire Ken Hitchcock. I don't get the impression that he's going to sit at the table and weep when he has to fire Mike Yo. But I'm sure that there is a degree of wondering, you know, the way that he will or will not be blamed for it. Yeah, I mean, he's got job security because he just started a contract extension of four years plus an option. So it's not like, uh, you know, if he admits failure that he's not going to get another contract. I mean, we're a long ways from that. Uh and if they if they wanted to make a change to general manager, he'd still get paid for a long, long time. So yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'll go back to what I said earlier. Fans are fans are asking about it every damn day. And if the fans are asking about it, the players are wondering, the coaches are wondering, Yo's wondering. I mean, it's not you know the the organization is definitely in a little bit of a bubble, but. The people in the organization, the people on the team, the people associated with the team see and hear the same stuff we do and have a lot of the same feelings we do. And the frustration is palpable across the hockey community in St. Louis. And uh, it, it really is an untenable situation and is, is honestly starting to fester, I think. There is, and, uh, now, there, there is kind of an idea. Uh, and I, I mentioned this because it was on the 31 Thoughts podcast this week, and I think it applies here too, that most of the time uh, a team will make a trade before they fire a coach. They'll give the coach the opportunity to, to hit the reset button with a big trade uh, to see if maybe that can right the ship. Now, the question is, does the O'Reilly trade count for lack of better words right like was the o'reilly trade substantial enough you know was it was it close enough to this debacle that that counts as mike yo's opportunity to get a trade and right the ship if it does uh then maybe there's there's no hesitation if it doesn't then maybe there's a thought that it would be player movement as opposed to the coach first thing to do yeah that's that's a good point Uh, but i mean you look at this roster i mean to me, last year and going into this year, a healthy Carl Gunnarsson would have been one of the trade ships I think that you could have parted with. Now with the situation with Jay Bomeister, they almost have to keep Carl Gunnarsson around. Well, and, and you know, Gunnarsson's I, hurt anyway. He got hurt the other night, right. so it's not like it's not like he's a durable guy that they could be shopping around. I mean, unless you really wanted to make a, a shakeup, a Jaden Schwartz, uh, you know, I wouldn't say trading brain Chen would be a good idea, but I mean, you're talking about that kind of guy. Well, that's right. You know, that's even, the thing is is trading Carl Gunnarsson to me is not the kind of deal that had has the impact that you wanted to have. It would be 
Jaden Schwartz or Alex Steen or Colton Pareko, you know, whoever. It would it would be a guy who they sell T-shirts of would be the kind of player that you would you would trade to make things really seem like they were going to change around the locker room. I don't know if they necessarily have the stomach for that right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they do. And it's like I. I mean, it's almost a who could be who could be an option. I don't know who the options are. Uh, and as my son brought me some Legos to put together and I dropped a piece on the floor. So if I sound distracted or that I'm crawling around on the floor, it's probably because I am, uh, you found it. All right, good. So, I mean, and now my computer is configuring windows. Apparently I got an update while I was working on the paper. So now I really have to pay attention to what I'm saying. Uh, I don't know. It, I think what, what a lot of people are saying on Twitter is that the blues need to shake up. The coach is the most logical thing. There doesn't seem to be a trade. Sure. The roster the roster looks good on paper. Win with this roster. I, here's here the last thing that I'll that I that I'll that because we should we'll wrap this one up here shortly, but I'm I'm I want to make this point because I was thinking about this this morning. Uh the Blues defense this year sort of reminds me of when you go into an offseason in baseball and you have like a group of bullpen guys. And it's the same group from one year to the next. And you go, you know, these guys were pretty good last year. They should they should be able to roll it over. And then you show up to spring training and you get to opening day and they're dog shit and they can't get anybody out. And it just it doesn't work anymore. And that's that's where the blues defense is at right now. For whatever reason, it just doesn't work right now. Like, you know, there there is there's a mess all over the place. Petrangelo has been okay, not great. Pareco, not great. Edmondson's been fine. Bowmeister is terrible. Gunnarsson can't stay healthy. Jordan Schmaltz is not an NHL player. Uh, Vince Dunn is great in the offensive zone, but probably not all the way there in the defensive zone. There are big problems. There are big holes in that defense uh, that, that need to be passed, and I don't know what the easy way is to do that. Uh, by the way, we should mention, uh, I, I mentioned this on, on Twitter yesterday, the Anaheim Ducks put Luke Shen on waivers yesterday. Uh, I looked this morning. They, I, I didn't see an announcement of whether or not he cleared. It's possible that NHL waivers don't operate on a Sunday. That if you get waived on a Saturday, it lasts until Monday. That's that's a possibility. Uh, I was just going to ask you, Jeff. Are the Blues of Luke Shen away from being a good team? No, Luke Shen makes them a worse team. Luke Shen is pretty <laughs> bad. But are you he was he's worse than Jay Bomeister. Uh, I mean. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, wait, yeah. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting. Worse than Jay, but that like that's not that's not a that's not a line that's or a bar that's hard to hard to hard to clear. Yeah, that's true. All right, fair enough. All right. Uh so so let's 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 get a grand prediction. Blues Kings, Blues Predators, Predators, Jets, four games, eight possible points, uh three of the four at home. How many you think the Blues get in this next four game stretch? Three points. I'll say four. If it's uh, one good game, one bad game, one good game, one bad game, then it's four points, right? Yeah, I mean, or it's like a win and two overtime losses. Sure, that would make some sense. Yeah, they beat. I think they beat the Kings, and then they get uh, points out of they get they get. Uh, they're not really going to overtime that often. Maybe three is the right answer. Maybe maybe two is the right answer. <laughs> They're, yeah, if I they're not three, they're, if I set, if I set like two and a half as the over under, would you still go three or would you go two? I'll take, I'll take the over on two and a half, but 
they're not very good. Yeah, something something needs to happen. I I don't know. I I I still am being slow to the idea that we were all completely wrong about this team on paper, and that the good things we felt coming into the season weren't at least somewhat legitimate, and that they're sure that, Ryan they, O'Re- that they could be a that they can be a better team than this. Ryan O'Reilly's good. We were right about right, that. All right. <laughs> but hey, yeah, uh, if you like this podcast, we do another one for all of the home games, and then we do one or two extras during the month. Uh, Patreon, $5 a month. Look us up at patreon.com and uh, give us a try. You know, we do at least 35, 40 minutes for each home game and then uh, some other stuff. We, we need to do like a mailbag or something at some point. We, do. If we really want to follow the Puck Soup uh, architect, but the blueprints, but you know, whatever. So, Hey, if, if, uh, if, if you stuck with us this long through the podcast and just think how much entertainment you'd get if you spent $5 a month on the Patreon, right, Jeff? It's, it's, it's worth all 100 niggles. Yeah, for sure. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, it, it can be a tough week. So, uh, hang in there, have a good Thanksgiving and, uh, we will try our hardest to get back at you next week here on the weekly game time blues podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. Anytime. All right, let's go, Blue!